Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Are you ready for the word this morning? Okay, come on. Let's be enthusiastic. You only get out what you put in. Uh, And that's true in a lot of things in life. If you come in with a, oh yeah, I guess, you know, might as well I'm here. Uh, (laughs) Don't expect a lot. We're in a series called Faith. uh, Faith Formation, I've called it. It's how faith is formed in us. It's a thought that faith is an inside thing, not an outside thing. Faith is uh, not some force on the outside. We've covered that. We talked about that. But faith is an internal thing. It's actually a relationship with God. I encourage you, go back and watch the previous, uh, uh, on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, watch the the previous messages and and stop and and take notes. Keep the preacher honest. You know what that means? Be like the Bereans. They they looked everything up and they, they, they went in and had a look at the Word of God to see if it was really what was being preached was true. Uh, I believe you'll get some great revelations out of it and, and that you will uh, start to see your, your faith form even stronger on the inside. Our goal here, quite frankly, is to see you walk out of here different than you walked in. I, I believe everybody, because they've been to church, should walk out with a stronger resolve, a stronger uh, faith to, to fill their world with something different and be an answer to all the mess that's out there in the world. God's got an answer to it. It's his body. It's his church. Uh, Somebody said that God can do anything. Well, he can, but sometimes there's a limiting factor. And sometimes that limiting factor is each one of us. I would hate to be the one that God said, you know, I really was going to pour out revival. I was going to do something amazing. But, you know, you stood in the way. You just didn't believe. I called, called you to do something, but... It kind of had that blasé, who cares attitude. Well, that's not going to be me. As much as as it's going to be, it's up to me. I am going to tap into what God wants to do. I don't want to be the limiting factor. I don't want to get to heaven and God go, uh, you limited me, man. Like, what did you do? I could have done something amazing. So so let's really tap in and let's let's begin to think uh, outward uh, from inward. Okay. God's, uh, I'm, I'm so excited about this morning because... I believe that this morning's message, we're going to tie a few things together, but I believe we're going to go somewhere this morning. I'm just pumped about this message because I believe it can be life transforming in you. And I believe that uh, if you've ever felt like me, sometimes I think, man, I don't know if I have a lot of faith. Anybody been there? Anybody felt sometimes, be honest, uh, anybody felt sometimes my, my faith is just weak? Uh, I, I don't even know. I, I, sometimes I get angry at God. I don't know, I'm being transparent this morning, but you know, God didn't answer a prayer the way I thought that he should. And I become God all of a sudden. It's like I'm telling the guy that runs the whole universe how to run the universe, the one that created everything, including me. I start to tell him about how to do his job uh, instead of focusing on what he wants me to do. And sometimes I've gotten you know, disappointed, disillu- all the dis words, disillusioned, <laughs> discouraged. All of, all of these words, and I'm a Christian. In fact, I'm a pastor. That's not a place to be, and God would not, not want us to be in that place. So if you've ever felt that way, you're in good company, because I think if all of us were just honest and would tell the truth, that we would admit sometimes that we feel weak in faith, not strong in faith, not like giant killers, not going to go out and conquer uh, anything. We just want to retreat into a little cave and think, well, it is me. I watched on the news this couple 
They've been married the longest in uh, recorded history. I don't know if you ever caught that on the news or not, but uh, they were from, um, I believe they're from El Salvador uh, or somewhere like that. Anyway, they, they've been married for about 80 years. The man, the husband, was 110. Did you catch that? He's 110. He's next to his lovely wife. She's 104. Well, and uh, so they asked the question, how, you know, what's the secret to your marriage? How did you stay married so long? I'd be thinking, how did you stay alive so long? <laughs> let alone being married. Like, my goodness. And uh, the secret, she said, was always tell the truth. Be honest. There's no point in do, doing anything else. The, the thing about church is church can either be religious, which is a big cover-up. It's where we just take fig leaves like Adam and Eve. Uh, and put them all over the place so we look like a fig tree, we fool everybody, but we're not really, there's no fruit. Or, or we can be, be really honest and just tell the truth and let God work with us out of that integrity. So I believe church should be a place of integrity, it's, it should be a safe place where you can admit, hey, I don't know if I, if I believe that, or I, I just don't have what it takes, I'm, I'm weak right now, can, can we pray? I don't even know if I believe in prayer. Wherever you're at right now, you are in a, in a safe place you're not going to get judged here. What you are going to get, I hope, is encouragement, not just from the message, but from each other. I believe City Church is a place like that. It's a place that we do have a, a mission to reach nations, but we, we've got to reach our own. We've got to let God reach into our heart first. So this morning, I, I believe that if you are just honest, you'll, you're in the right place. You're going to get something uh, out, out of this for sure. So sometimes I've thought, when it comes to faith, I've thought, hey, what's up with that? It just doesn't make sense. I've prayed a certain way, and God answers a whole different way. Or, I think, did he even answer at all? Did he even hear me? Does he even care? Sometimes I've felt that way, uh, just being honest with you. And I thought, what is up with that? Uh, I, I've, I've prayed maybe for a job way back. I've got a job now for the last 30-something years, same job. Uh, but sometimes it's hard to stick with a job, you know what I mean? You, you, get, you get all kinds of bumps and trials, and, and they're called people uh, along the way, and you, you, it's like riding a wild bull. You get thrown off. You think, oh, I don't know if I want to get back on or not. Uh, but being honest is really important. And, and sometimes when you're, when you're on the job, the job doesn't turn out the way that you thought it was supposed to turn out. I heard... Uh, a story about this guy that needed a job desperately. He was really desperate to get work. And his friend said, hey, they're hiring over at the zoo. And, uh, and he goes, well, what are they hiring? He says, well, they're hiring uh, somebody to dress like a gorilla because the gorilla died and all the children really love the gorilla. In fact, the gorilla was one of the biggest attendance makers uh, as to why people even attended the zoo. They just love to go watch this gorilla throw tires around, swing on the trapeze thing, and, you know, doing all this stuff. And the gorilla died. So I said, well, uh, there's a job over there, but you got to get in a gorilla suit and act like a gorilla. And it has to be real. So the guy said, well, I'm, I'm desperate. I really desperately need the job. So he went and applied. Sure enough, he got the job. And he dressed up in the gorilla suit. At first, it's really hot. He's thinking, man, I don't know about this. So he's doing some, you know, <laughs> you know things like that. He's uh, eating bananas and doing all the stuff that he thinks the gorilla is supposed to do. And after a while, the, grub, the job grew on him, and, and he became really good at it. In fact, he really got in the character. He was, like, swinging on the trampeze. He was, he was like, you know, throwing bigger tires around and scaring the kids and doing all this stuff. He was so believable. 
And then one day he just went a bit over the top. He's on, on that trapeze thing and he flies through the air. He went a little bit too far. Next to the gorilla cage was the lion cage. So he found himself swinging into the lion cage. And he, he lands there and he starts squealing like a little baby. Ah, I'm gonna die! And, and, and this lion comes rushing towards him and, and, rawr, and it gets right up in his face. And then he hears this voice, if you don't shut up, we're both gonna lose our jobs. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Sometimes, sometimes I really want to believe, but I can't. There's one thing about belief. Whatever you're believing in has to be true or real. It's not the intensity that you believe it. Faith is not about the intensity that you believe. You can believe that poison is medicine if you want to, and you can intensely believe that the poison is, is medicine, but if you drink it, you're going to die. It's still poison. The intensity of your belief doesn't make something that's not real, real. Sometimes I see people and they're, I'm operating in faith. I think, are you really? What is the object of your faith? Now, I'm so thankful in this series we looked at substance abuse. We looked at the fact that the definition of faith is now faith is, Hebrews 11.1. 1, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance that we believe in, the focus, the person that we trust in, yes, is a person, not a thing. It's not a force. Faith is not a force. There is a force that comes out of faith, but faith is not a force. Faith is an intense trust and belief in a person, that he is true, that he has integrity, that what he says he's going to do, he's going to do it. But it's not always the way that we want him to do it or we think that he should do it. There have been times in my life where I've thought, okay, God, do it this way. And he doesn't do it that way. And I get despondent and I get, like I said earlier, I get angry at God. But you know, down the track, I go, whoa. If you wouldn't have done it that way, then this would not have happened. And the this that, that does happen is so incredible that I'm so thankful that God didn't do it my way. I'm so thankful that I can't sing, I did it my way. I'm so thankful that I can say I did it God's way and God did it his way and it all turned out better than I could even imagine. Whatever trial you're going through right now, go through the trial. Go through with an intense belief in a person that is with you and, and that he has your best interest at heart, even when it doesn't look like that. Now, I want to go over to uh, Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read an account of something here. Mark chapter 4, and, and starting with verse 35, and then we're going to go over into a little bit into uh, Mark chapter 5 and verse 2. We're not going to read everything in this, but uh, I want to draw something out, and I hope that you can relate to it. I've called this message, Faith That Doesn't Fail. In fact, I've called it Faith Never Fails. You think, wait a minute, like, the Bible says love never fails, but faith never fails. Faith never fails. That's the name of the message. It's my message. I can call it what I want. If you don't like it, that's just too bad. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On the same day, now we can stop right there because uh, you, you would have to go back to the beginning of Mark chapter 4 and, and see what happened on that day. Jesus began to teach uh, on a lake, that lake, the Sea of Galilee. It was known for violent storms to come up unexpectedly. 
and he's teaching there. In fact, the multitude is so big that he says, hey, get me in a boat, cast off from the shore, and all the multitude is on the sea, and they're listening. He uses something that I cottoned on to. We had a men's meeting once, a men's breakfast uh, on the canal, one of the canals, and I actually pushed off in a boat, and I taught these guys from the boat. And I was amazed that no matter how far out I got, they could hear me because the water was a natural amplifier. It just took the waves of, of sound, and somehow, I don't know how that works, if you're a sound person or sound engineer, you can tell me, but it worked, and they could hear everything I said. I, I could practically whisper, and they could hear me. And Jesus does this. The multitude is so great. Now, and I mean, commentators say that a multitude is several thousand people. A great multitude is upward of 100,000 people. There were a lot of people, desperate people, that were on the seashore listening to him teach. And he began to teach. He pushes out and says, when evening had come, that's a big day. He has taught them probably all day. It said they had Q&A in Mark chapter 4. It talks about he taught them to sow or sows. It's some of it's like seed that falls uh, by the wayside. The birds pick that up. They pick it up and it doesn't go anywhere. Other seed falls on rocky ground. It, it gets in there, but it doesn't have a lot of soil. Sun comes up, scorches it, it withers. Other seed falls among thorns and, and the thorns choke it out. And then there's good seed as well uh, that, that grows up. And then the cares of this world, it says about the thorns and, and the lust of other things. And, and then, but the good seed that does, that does eventually come up, it produces 30, 60, and 100 fold. Not 30 times, but uh, 100 fold is like each time is like 100% return. So that is an incredible return. He's taught them all of that. He answers all, all their questions. He talks about the seed as being the word of God and how uh, hearing they didn't hear and all of that. He is full on exhausted. And now the sun has gone down and evening had come. And he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. There's always a crossover between teaching and practice or theory, if you will, and practice. You can sit in a lecture hall. I did that for many, many years, and many of you did too. And you can be an educated fool. An educated fool is somebody who just hears all the teaching, but they don't ever go out and do any of the stuff. They, they know all about how to fly the plane, but they never get in a seat and fly the plane. There's always a crossover point between what is taught in Scripture and then what you are going to walk out. They are about to cross over from listening to the teacher to actually stepping out what was taught. That's a very uh, uncomfortable place to be when you have to sit the exam of life. I know I've sat that exam so many times where I've heard the Word of God preached in a pulpit, I've read it, uh, uh, I've listened to a podcast perhaps, read a book about great faith or, or, or great love or whatever it was, and then God challenges me. I get to sit the exam uh, of life, and that's not a very comfortable place to be, and it's not supposed to be comfortable. And he says, let us cross over to the other side. Verse 36, now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. Question, how was he? He was dog tired. Have you ever had a big day where you just can't wait for the day to finish, and you're so exhausted that it's like, I'm just going to crash right now. You know, you go ahead and drive the car. Uh, I'm going to crash right now. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, don't, don't you crash right now. But I'm going to fall asleep 
he was so tired that he falls asleep in the stern of the boat. Listen to this now. And, and, and other little boats, it says, were also with them. I want you to take a note of that because when you travel, you usually don't travel alone. Now, I'm speaking metaphorically, but when you travel in faith, it's not just about you all the time. It's usually about the person you love, your family, your friends, your church, uh, your business, perhaps those people uh, on, at your employee, at work, in the office, you know, the ones that you don't like very well and they don't like you and you have a hard time getting along, but then God teaches you something on forgiveness. Hello. God says, love your neighbor. Hello. <laughs> you know, those people often who God uses for the test. And, and you're never alone. He's got these other boats are, are coming alongside. They're all going to go over. Jesus is in their boat, but the other little boats, he's, he's with them as well. And it says other little boats were also with him. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. This is the exam right here. It's dark. Something unexpected happens that frightens even these men who were fishermen. The waves are coming up over the boat. The boat is, is filling up with water. This was not the Queen Mary ocean liner. This is a fishing vessel. It's getting swamped right now. And they're out in the middle of, of this whole thing. Right here is the exam. But he was asleep in the stern of the boat. Verse 38. And they woke him. And they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? The first thing that tends to happen with me anyway, when things don't go my way during the exam, during the uncomfortable time, is I start to say, does God even care? Does he even hear my cry? Does he even know that I exist? Jesus here is asleep. It's like the king of heaven is oblivious to all the trial and the trouble that's going on. And they say, don't you even care? Sometimes we doubt about God's compassion. We doubt that he even cares or has a caring heart. And it says, and they woke him up. I've got a question for you. How do you wake up a guy that's getting buffeted around in a boat in a storm that's sleeping through the whole thing how do you wake somebody like that up? Are you going to like shake him? He's already being shaken. Are you going to smack him in the face? Are you going to pour some water on him? The water's already coming in. They did what most of us do. They woke him up with our words. Do you not care? One thing that I've had to establish firmly in my heart, even when it doesn't look like it, God is intensely in love with me, and God does care. God does care about you. He's aware of your situation. He is easily touched, the Bible says, with the feelings of your infirmity. Jesus is in heaven right now, making intercession for you constantly beside the Father. God is for you. He cares for you for you so that you're not supposed to care. God loves you. Don't ever doubt whether God cares for you or not. No matter how violent the storm gets, no matter how dark the hour looks, God cares. They woke him up with their unbelief. But I want you to notice something here, and it's what they call him. They called him teacher. Now verse 39, make a note of that. Verse 39, he arose. Oh, he got up. And he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, 
And there was a great calm. Imagine that. It's nighttime. All of a sudden, like, the sea becomes like glass. Probably could hear a, a pin drop. Could probably look up and see all the stars are out. All of a sudden, it's a beautiful night. What happened? All, boom, instantly. And then he said this to them. Why are you so fearful? How is it? Oh, and get this. How is it that you have not little faith, not weak faith? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly. Exceedingly, they were afraid before the storm. Now there's a greater fear that's coming on them. And they said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea <laughs> obey him? The calm frightened them. The peace scared them more than the storm. They were out of their wits with the, with the calm and, and the mastery of what he had just done. And all of a sudden now, life goes from getting taught in a classroom along the seashores where they were taught the, the parable of the sower and, and, and a lamp, a, a light, and, and the kingdom of God like a, a mustard seed. All, all of these teaching, they had Q&A. Life goes from sitting and listening to the teacher now to this incredible awe of this is not just a teacher now. God is not just a teacher. Sometimes we fall in love, and, I, and I'm all for this. I fell in love with the Word of God. I, I, there's probably nothing that I enjoy more than, you know, getting in a comfortable place, well, even on a cold night where it's raining, and, you know, maybe, in, I'm going to set the scene here. Might as well, it's my imagination. It's my story. In front of a fireplace with a, with a hot cup of tea, not just ordinary tea, but Earl Grey. <laughs> and sipping on that hot cup of tea and reading the Word of God. But it's a dangerous thing because he's going to teach you some things. <laughs> but then get ready because you're going to find out. You're going to find out whether you really did receive that or you were just a hearer only, a forgetful hearer only. He said to them, why are you so fearful? And they said, who can this be? A lot of times, I ask this all the time, God will do something, I'll go, who are you? I thought I knew you before. But man, like, this is taking it to a whole other level. Who, not just who do you think you are, but who are you? I've been asking that for about 40-something years now, following him. Who are you? You are amazing. You just, I thought I had you all worked out. I had you in my little theological box and you just busted out of that and blew my mind, and now I've got to start all over. I've got to get a bigger box to, to put you in. It's like the earth wasn't big enough, now I've got a, the Milky Way, and that won't be big enough. And pretty soon, it's like, wow, who are you? I, I look and I think so, I feel so insignificant sometimes, looking at not just what he created, but how he creates and what he's doing on the inside of me. I don't know if you've ever felt that or not. But then they go across. When God gives you a teaching on something, with that plan, with that teaching, there's purpose. There's a purpose for you crossing over the situation. The purpose is on the other side of what you're going to cross over to. God knew what that was. 
that purpose here, in fact, verse 1 of chapter 5, then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes, and, and verse 2, and when, they, and when they came out of the boat, when he, Jesus came out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. The purpose of them venturing off, getting caught in that storm, was twofold. Number one, it was to teach them something and to work that out in their life. And number two, the purpose was a man. There was a man on the other side. We're not going to read it, but he's fettered in chains and fetters, and he breaks all the chains. He's wandering around a graveyard. He's out of his mind. He's crying out day and night, the Bible says. He is in a desperate way. He is, he is so desperate, he's just cutting himself open. He's deranged. He's mad. He's got about a thousand devils in him. The Bible says he's got legion in there. It speaks and all the rest of it. And Jesus cast it into the pigs. And, and, and on the other side, where the teaching was, on the other side is a desperate situation. They become the solution. Are they going to solve it? Or are they just going to see faith as something is about themselves? So many times, when I hear people talk about faith, it's kind of in this context. My faith got me this. You know, leaning on the car, the house, whatever it was, the promise. Yeah, that's what my faith got me. I think, well, probably your natural faith did, and I talked about that last week. There's a difference between natural faith, which is not evil or bad, and the God kind of faith, what we call supernatural faith. Natural faith is like mind over matter. I'm going to visualize something, I'm going to set my goals, I'm going to speak it out, of course. All the principles that are in supernatural faith, those principles are in natural faith, but there's a big difference. The object of natural faith is, is a person too, same as supernatural faith, but the object uh, of natural faith is me, mainly. <laughs> ah, look what my faith got me. Friends, faith is not selfish. Faith is a giver. Faith is about other people. The, the God kind of faith, the person, the object of that faith is a person, but the person is Jesus. Natural faith, the person, the object, the center is, is me. Sometimes that involves benevolent activity. That's all great, but you know how much credit are you going to take for that as you're giving the money away? And which foundation are they going to name in your name? And what kind of trophy and awards are you going to get out of it? Whereas the God kind of faith is, no, it's not about me. He did this. I couldn't have done it. It's supernatural. I can't take any of the credit for this. The person is Jesus Christ, and the reality of what he did was far beyond. That's why it's supernatural, not natural. Natural faith will take you so far. You can do a lot of things with mind over matter. It's nothing wrong with, like I said, but it can be very selfish, even to the point of being narcissistic at times, the way that I hear people talk about their faith, even in church circles. Word of faith churches and faith churches and all the rest, you know, named after faith, but the faith tends to be centered around them. The object of God's kind of faith, supernatural faith, it moves away from me. We're going somewhere with this. I want you to notice, though, one important thing in this account here. I didn't leave it out. I purposely had you take note of it, and it's what they called him. They woke him up, and they said, Teacher! Do you not care? Now, he is not just teacher. 
The Bible talks about we have need that nobody teach us except the Holy Spirit. I hope that right now the Holy Spirit's teaching you. I'm a vessel, but it's the Holy Spirit right now that's actually making sense out of this message, this guy's preaching this, and I hope that the inspiration and the power of the Holy Spirit in the mind of Christ are teaching you some things about faith and about how God operates and His plan and everything else, but, but He will teach you. But He's not just teacher. They knew Him as teacher. They, they knew Him in the classroom. So many Christians know God in, in the church auditorium. They, they know God even privately, taking notes and learning the, the Greek and the Hebrew and all these things out of the Bible. But teacher alone is not going to calm the storm. Teacher's not going to take you across. Teacher certainly isn't going to move you from natural faith into supernatural faith where you can cast the devils out of a desperate man that's full of demons. Teacher alone will not do it. They knew him as teacher, but they were about to discover him as Lord. You see, it's those who call upon the name of the Lord that shall be saved, not the teacher. I see people when it comes to faith and they'll parrot the word of God. I was one of these. Look, there is nothing wrong with memorization of Scripture, of course. It's great. You don't need to pull a Bible out if you're on a plane or a bus or you're in a tricky situation. It comes out of your heart. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, but then hearing what you heard, hearing what the teacher taught. Faith comes by hearing that, but then hearing and understanding that comes only by the Word of God. And the Word of God, I want you to get this right now, the Word of God is a person. In the beginning was the Word, John 1. And the Word was with God. The Word was God. In the beginning, all things were made by Him. Without Him, nothing was made that was made. And the Word, verse 14, John 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. A person is the Word of God. He is the living Word of God. He's not a bunch of letters and a book on pages. You've got to find Him beyond teacher. You have to discover Him as Lord, and you only get that when you're in the crisis or the test. Will you pass the test by being obedient? Oh, many will say, Lord, Lord, we prophesied, we did that, we did this. I never knew you. You knew about me from the book, but did you, did you ever even know me? I was trying to learn Spanish. Uh, this has been a long journey for me. I started in grade eight, and uh, Mr. Olmedo, and <laughs> Mr. Olmedo was from Quito, Ecuador. And I was a little smart Alec. And I got kicked out of class. I gave that poor guy, he's a short Ecuadorian man, lovely heart, I'm sure of it. And I was such a smart out, because I had a poor self-worth and identity just growing up. Stupid does as stupid is. And called stupid took a toll on me. And in the classroom, I would interrupt with smart remarks. And he physically grabbed me one day, and I thought he was going to kill me because I was a scrawny little 13-year-old or whatever I was, you know, and he's a man. <laughs> I thought, you know what? He should have killed me, to be honest. What I was doing to him was cruel. <laughs> but long story short, I could have learned Spanish back then. I didn't. Got kicked out, spent time in the principal's office out in the hall. And then rolled forward, I think, 
gee, Spanish would really be a good language to learn because I'm going to the States. <laughs> I speak a lot of Spanish now in America. And, and in fact, in Miami, I couldn't even like hardly get room service because I couldn't communicate in English. And I'm thinking, man, like this has changed. The whole world's changed since I used to live in America. I, I'm going to try to learn Spanish. So I got an app called Duolingo. I don't know if you ever learned, tried to learn that. I, I got a little, I got some words down. I started to get some of the things, but then the grammar bit and the verbs and adverbs, whatever they got in Spanish, all, all that stuff didn't make sense. And I found there was one thing missing between me and learning Spanish, and that's conversation. You can read about God in the Word. You can memorize the Word. You can know the Greek and the Hebrew words. You can read it out of the Amplified, the Passion, the New King James, the Old King James, the NIV. You can read about it in the Living, the Message. Oh, I really like That's fantastic. Keep doing it. Keep memorizing it. But you've got to graduate. If you're going to learn the language of God, and God has a language, if you're going to learn that language, you have to have conversation. That conversation, that transaction with God is called prayer. Prayer is the number one thing. So I was just listening to through our Alpha course that we're doing, how, how Nikki Gumbly said the, the number one thing in Christianity is prayer. It's the most important thing. I'm like, oh, I would have put the word up there above that. The word is the word, but you've, you've got to remember that it's, it's man shall not live by bread alone, Jesus said, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That word proceeds is in the ever-present tense. It means this, that that, that proceeds and continually keeps on proceeding. It's a conversation with God. It's a dialogue with God. It's not letters on a page. The Word of God on a page has to be brought into conversation with God through prayer. It's not just a, it's not a book of incantations where you're just going to parrot a bunch of Scriptures that you memorize, and now this is going to happen now because I yelled it intensely. Faith is not based on your intensity. It's based upon the person of God in a real dialogue with him and realize he's going to be your teacher, but he's got to be your Lord. You have to cross over and it's painful and it's uncomfortable and you have to sift the exam to get there to find out is he teacher or is he Lord? Do you know God has a love language? Now my wife is really big on love languages. And in 1993, uh, a man named Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages of God. How many people have read it? All you married men, your hands are going up all over the place. Because probably your wife made you read the book. <laughs> Mine didn't make me, but she strongly suggested that I read it. <laughs> and then I discover what her love language is. There's five of them. Quality time, right? Words of affirmation. My... my Love language is quality time. So if we're spending time, but it's not quality time, I'm not fulfilled in that. Words of affirmation, that's one of my wife's uh, uh, ones. Uh, acts of service is another one. Receiving gifts, I think we all got that one. Physical touch, all the men go, yeah, that's, that's mine. <laughs> Women's like, yeah, it's cool. That's cool, but not the same way. Uh, <laughs> but it, it, it proved that book the five love languages, it proved to be very, very beneficial. Helped a lot of people understand their spouses, the relationships. It just helped people in so many, so many ways. But did you know that God has a love language? 
And I want to give you what his love language is. Out of all five of those love languages, look, it's not physical touch because you're probably not going to touch him anytime soon. It is, though, a, a, a touch to God's heart and his person, not physically so much, but spiritually. Is it words of affirmation? I believe that's a definite. God loves that when you affirm his word, you trust him. Uh, you, when you do put it to memory and, and, and his word is on the inside of you, it creates boundaries. Yes, that's absolutely true. Quality time, oh yeah. God's got all five of these, but all five of these, I believe, is summed up in one word. And that word is faith. Over and over and over again, go through the whole book of Acts. Go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. You'll find that he, he either marveled and was amazed at their faith, or it was like, man, like upset that they didn't have any faith. Now you might say to me right now, and I know what you're thinking, I thought it would have been love. He is love. He's got all the love he needs, to be honest. But what he doesn't have is your faith, your obedience, taking him from teacher to Lord, doing what he said. I'll show you my faith by my works, it says. And faith, I believe, encapsulates all five of the love languages into one. And love is such a part of that that the Bible says in Galatians, now faith works by, come on, faith works by love. Faith doesn't even work if it's not in love, if it's not motivated by love of God and love of God's purpose and love for other people, that madman at Gadara, the other boats that were traveling over on the other side with them in the middle of the storm, they were going to drown as well if somebody doesn't get up and say, peace be still. God told us, the word of God spoke and he's in the boat with us and he says we're going over to the other side for a purpose that only he knows right now. It looks like he doesn't care. It looks like he's sleeping right now, but I know that my God cares for me. I've got faith in love himself. He is in the boat and my faith has got to work by love or it's not going to work at all. Well, I thought that deserved a bigger hand clap, but that's okay. Yeah. Hebrews 11.6, we're going to close. I'd like the team to come back up. Thank you. Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The love languages are expressions that, of love that please the other person. If you'll give them words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, uh, gifts, physical touch, if that's their love language, and, and you give that and you're married to that person, you're very, very smart for, for, for starters, but you're also pleasing them. And without faith, it says, it's impossible to please God. In other words, if you don't have faith, you can't please God. Let it sink in for a moment. We're closing right now. It's God's love language. Natural faith is in your ability, and it works for love of self. The God kind of faith, the supernatural faith, the kind that we're talking about in faith formation, it's about pleasing God, and it's that word faith, because you first must believe that he is Get the second bit of Hebrews uh, 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 11, verse 6, and that he is the rewarder of those who <laughs> diligently seek him. I want us to pray right now because lo love never fails, and I call this message Faith Never Fails. Because love never fails and faith works by love, 
If you're operating out of love, your faith will never fail. If you have faith that doesn't fail, you need love that doesn't fail. So where are you right now? Crossing over. You might be like me and honest that sometimes faith just seems distant. It doesn't seem like you even have any of it. But I want to encourage you in the last minute that we have right now, I want to encourage you to walk closely to love himself. Listen to his voice. Read his word, but let him speak out of that word. Don't ever exalt the printed page and forget about the dialogue called prayer. And when you don't understand what's going on, would you still trust him anyway? When you're in the uncomfortable place between the rock and a hard place, would you still say, my God, you still care for me, you love me, I'm gonna to continue to do what you told me regardless. I'm not gonna call you teacher only, I'm gonna call you Lord. Father, I thank you right now for every person that's here and on the other side of that camera. I thank you right now for every person, Father. Take us across. Be with us right now and encourage us as only you can do through the power of your spirit. If you don't know Jesus and you're listening to me right now, watching here or online, I'm gonna ask you this question. Do you know him as a person? Or do you know religion only? Do you want to step into the boat, get to know Jesus as a real person? He sticks closer than, than a brother. He loves you unconditionally. I'd like to pray this prayer with you. And if you want to say this after me and mean it in your heart, you shall be saved from not only eternity in heaven, but situations that you might be facing right now. Why don't we pray together? I'd like us all to pray this. Say, dear God, I thank you for sending your son into my heart. Jesus, I give you my life. Amen. Look, if you did that, send us an email at city-church.com.au. Tap into, if you're watching on Facebook, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, pick up on other podcast uh, broadcasts, rather, and yeah, we've got podcasts as well. God bless you guys. We hope to see you next week, and uh, have a great week. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.